Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. I think looking at Dover, you're looking at uh, Martin Truex, uh, Kevin Harvick, and Kyle Busch. They'll be tough to beat. Kyle Busch is going to win at Dover! It's certainly been Kevin Harvick's real house. Give the advantage to Kevin Harvick. He sees the checkered flag. When I go to Dover, I think about one thing, and that's how do I win this race? He's dominated at Dover. He'll win again. I think I'm one of the guys to beat at Dover for sure. is done. Four drivers have been eliminated from championship contention and the round of 12 in the Monster Energy Cup Series playoffs starts at the Monster Mile. Next stop for everybody is Dover. Welcome into NASCAR America, everybody presented by Mobile One. Kara Lamano, joined by my friend Parker Kligerman. The Roval is very much in the rearview mirror, so let's look ahead of this weekend and Dover, the first race of the round of 12. And let's talk about some of these drivers in the red. Let's start with Kyle Larson breathing new life this week at Dover in the round of 12. That he did. I actually got to stand next to him as we found out if he was going to make it into the next round or not. And when he first got out of the car, he looked at me and he looked so devastated and thought like he was out. And then we stood there for a while and eventually we got the notice that he was in and it was a totally different interview than I thought we were going to have. So that was quite interesting to watch happen. You know what? Another thing is he's going to a racetrack that he has been very good at. I've seen him compete for wins here, although he has not been able to do that. He's been so close before. And I think there's another really positive thing happening for this 42 car. And that is the speed that that Canassi racing team has brought into the playoffs, not only in the 42 car, but the one car of Jay Murray showed a tremendous amount of speed. So I believe there's a lot of confidence within the Skenassi Racing Team right now going into a track like this where I think there's also a, a situation that they need to kind of gain some points. They need to do something to get themselves in a better position for Talladega, being that it's such a wild card race. And I just think when you've seen the speed that they had at Vegas and at Darlington, there's a lot of confidence, and I have a lot of confidence in this race team that they can get it done. Maybe you will see more of that in the fantasy segment later on. How confident I am. Perhaps. We are yes. going to make our picks a little, yes. little later on in the show. Um, round of 12, new chapter. You look at Chase Elliott and what he has done at Dover. Four top fives in five stars there. For consistency's sake, we'll file those under top tens, but don't be deceived by that because that's actually a little bit better in performance at this track for Chase Elliott. It's kind of remarkable, is it not? I mean, what he has done at this racetrack is amazing how good he has been there. Although he came so close to winning this race last year and he let Kyle Busch get by him. We'll talk more about that in the similar segment coming up later. But I think for this race team, it's similar to the 42. They have started to bring some serious speed in the playoffs at Hendrick Motorsports. Although the 48 obviously is not a part of the playoffs anymore, the speed that we saw them bring to Vegas just gives me a tremendous amount of confidence in this race team that they have found some things that they've started to really figure out that Camaro Chevy as we get in the playoffs and doing something that we see Hendrick do so often, which is maybe have that lull in the summertime, but come playoff time, they figure it out. And I think this team is in a great position to go to one of his best racetracks and do the same thing that Kyle Larson has, has to do, and that is find a way to get stage points and to get a good finish, maybe compete for the win, to buy themselves more breathing room going into Talladega because it's such a wild card. What about a driver that was in question in some people's mind in the round of 16, that being Eric Almarola, and yet we are in another round of the playoffs now and he is still here. All right, I got to admit, 
Yes, I had him out in the first round. I think a lot of us on this show did, right? I didn't know if I, cr I really fully believed that the 10 car could go out there and find a way into the second round of the playoffs. But they did. At Vegas, they had a great run. And then he had a stellar run at Richmond, gained a top five. And that is what was the tiebreaker between him and Jimmy Johnson advancing after that courageous drive through the field at the end in a beat-up car to get all the positions he did at the Roval. So I think for this race team, they're starting to build a little momentum. I'm starting to see it here and there each week in the playoffs right now. We're starting to see more momentum out of this race team, more competitiveness. And now they're going to a racetrack that Stuart Haas Racing has been very fast at. In the spring, Kevin Harvick and Clint Boyer finished 1-2. So what I want to see out of this 10 car, led by Johnny Klausmeyer, driven by Eric Amarola, is them to be as competitive as that 4 car, as the 14 car, maybe as the 41, to prove to me that they really are going to become a championship contender. That's what I want to see this weekend, and uh, it's, we'll see if it happens. Stuart Haas Racing as an organization is so impressive at this track, and you look at another driver who's especially impressive here, and that's, of course, Jimmy Johnson. Even though he is no longer in the playoffs, you have to mention him when you mention this track as a potential spoiler, do you not? So we normally call him seven times, but our producer Ricky wants me to call him 11 times at Dover because he's won here 11 times. It's incredible. And I, I know I kind of harped on him going in the playoffs, and then especially after what I saw, at Vegas where barring that late race wreck this team was going to be in contention to win that race at Las Vegas there was the most speed and the most competitive race they had all season and now we're going to one of his favorite racetracks and I think for so many of the playoff drivers this team is dangerous because they don't care about stage points anymore they just don't have to focus on anything other than winning and we know how he went for a win at the Roval when maybe he should have been thinking about points and going for that eighth championship debatable and, debatable right debatable, debatable. Well, you, whoever, whichever way you go all right but the thing is we saw what he's willing to do to get a win and I think that kind of goes throughout this whole 48 team now that they just want to get to victory lane and I think there's a racetrack they can do it they've been bringing speed it's the same reason I have confidence in Chase Elliott because we're seeing more speed out of these Hendrick Motorsports Chevys and I just I can't deny there's 11 wins you right here you've been on the Jimmy Johnson train the last couple weeks faithfully and yes. I just wonder coming so close to sniffing that win at last time out do you think that will make him in any way more dangerous this time around I mean knowing that hey it's there for the taking wanting to break that winless streak so desperately that you're willing to risk the playoffs to do it you know I was a little disappointed because I'd harped on him being able to make it in the next round of playoffs so he's going to make me look really smart I even told uh, Steve Lachart the morning of the Roval race that he was going to win so I was feeling really good on that <laughs> Last lap, I'm so look, close. You're about to look really, yeah, really I'm, smart. I'm no longer Nostradamus, so I'll just go back <laughs> to my other job here as analyst on NASCAR America. But I think for this race team and for Jimmy Johnson in particular, you know, for so many of these the months leading into the playoffs, I think a lot of people wanted to count this team out. But Jimmy continually showed how he was, how hard he was working, and told me, you know, I haven't given up. I'm working as hard as ever. I'm enjoying how much I'm working at this, and therefore, I just think he's very dangerous now, knowing that he's just going to be going for wins. All right, so we know that Dover is the first race of the round of 12. On the cup side, for Xfinity, it is an elimination race. There is so much on the line on Saturday. The playoffs, you have to be so selfish. You only get one opportunity. As the numbers dwindling down on how many people make it to the next round of the playoffs, the intensity's always ramped up. If you give up one position, you know, that might be the make or break difference to get you in the next round. So you just can't give up any points. You have to take every inch on the racetrack because you don't get the opportunity very often. So this Saturday at Dover, the Xfinity playoff field trimmed down from 12 to 8 drivers. Christopher Bell already advanced with his win at Richmond, so that leaves seven spots up for grabs. Regular season champ Justin Allgaier, Elliott Sadler, 
Two drivers who were thought to be near locks for Miami, now they face the real chance of having their title hopes dashed this weekend. How did Justin Allgaier get here? Well, it's an interesting story here how he got to this position because you take the winningest team, a driver in his career year, they enter the playoffs with a ton of momentum and confidence, and then this happens. You go four wide at Richmond, and you get spun out and put in the wall. That was disaster. They didn't have the most competitive run there. They were good at the beginning and started to falter a little bit, and then they go to the Roval, and they get spun out again, and eventually he's going to get some damage here from the 39 of Ryan Sieg, and it's sort of been a disastrous start, and so now he finds himself in a very unique position for the fastest car and the winningest car in the series. Going to a racetrack that he won at earliest year, beating his teammate Elliot Sadler in that awesome finish, but knowing that they are going to have to score stage points. Stage one and stage two are incredibly important for Justin Algar because it's going to allow them to pad themselves from that cutoff going into the final stage where if, to stop them from something happening, right? Stop it from being caught, caught up in a late race wreck or something like that or having a mechanical failure, knowing how brutal Dover is on race cars. So I think that those first two stages are incredibly important for him and also his teammate Elliot. Sather. When you look at their position points, they're both in the same position. So those two cars, although if they go and they have a normal race, they'll be fine. We know they have the speed. We know how competitive they are there. But it's trying to pad from something going wrong. That's what the position they're in. And so the first two stages are going to be incredibly important for those two. Elliot Sadler's last crack at a championship. We know how bad he wants it. Meanwhile, Ross Chastain holding that final spot above the cut line. He's at plus nine. Austin Sindrick in better equipment, nine points below the cut line. So what is the strategy there? So Ross has done an incredible job in that 42 car and the four car to find him in a position of reality of saying that they could make it in the second round of the playoffs for JD Motorsports. And that's been incredible. And what he did at the Roval, where he started at the back, on purpose, let things happen in front of him, and then finished up to up, up 12th, I believe, and actually found himself moving forward at the end and doing the right thing. So that was really impressive. And so now he goes into a race where Austin Sindrick is most likely going to be in faster equipment. He's going to be in one of the winningest cars in the series, and therefore is going to be a threat for stage points. Not so much the, the, the same for Ross Chastain. So what he has to do is find a way to overachieve, find a way to continue doing what he has been doing if he wants to be a part of the next round of the playoffs. And I think if he can do that, it's going to be doing the same things he's done all year, which is maximizing that late race finish. The late race finish will be most important for him to beat Austin Sidgwick, knowing that Austin most likely will be faster than him in those first two stages. So long story short, you do not want to be late to the race no, on Saturday. Those stages all, are incredibly yeah, important. Yeah, because all these stage points and finishes are going to matter. Okay, a reminder coming up at 5.30. Eastern just a little bit. We have the Dale Jr. download for you. Yes, so we plan do. on sticking around for that. We love that on Thursday. Also, coming up, Parker, you're gonna jump in the iRacing simulator. Okay, show us why Dover is such a challenging track to navigate. There's a reason that they call it a monster mile. Parker's gonna explain next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. It is night two of the NHL season. We've got a doubleheader for you, fittingly. First up, the Predators and Rangers from the world's most famous arena, and that is followed by the Flyers and the Golden Knights from Vegas. Our coverage gets underway at 6.30 Eastern with NHL Live. That is coming up right here on NBCSN. So a lot to look forward to tonight. Let's stay with the hockey theme as we take a social pit stop. Martin Truex Jr.'s crew chief and Ontario native Cole Pern took his dad to the Maple Leafs season opener last night. The Leafs took down longtime rival Montreal in overtime. That had to feel pretty good. Earlier today, we learned that Carl Edwards will be inducted into the Texas Motorsports Hall of Fame. Edwards, who earned four Cup Series wins in the Lone Star State, will be honored on Saturday, November 3rd. 
And yesterday, Casey Kane helped paint the curbs pink at Martinsville Speedway to celebrate Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Jamie McMurray also on hand for that event. Pretty cool. Earlier today, Furniture Row Racing and Dover International Speedway hosted Falchi Adaptive Motorsports Race Day. This is a program dedicated to putting wheelchair-bound race enthusiasts back into a racing experience using cutting-edge technology. It's a great program. Regan Smith participating in today's event, as well as world champion drag racer Daryl Gwynn and Paralympic gold medalist Elena Nichols was there as well. Uh, all right, let's get back to Parker now, who is in the iRacing simulator to show us how drivers can move their line around at Dover to gain an advantage. Parker. Right, Kellen. We're going to come from a restart here. I'm all the way at the back of the field because I want to talk about traffic eventually. And we're at one of my favorite racetracks in the world here. It's such a cool racetrack. No racetrack really that we go to in NASCAR gives you a sensation of speed like Dover because you're going so fast in such a short span of time. Getting the power down on a restart, incredibly tough. Nine degrees of banking on the straightaways alone, 24 degrees of banking in the corners. You're, it's really hard to get back to full throttle. Very easy to spin the tires as we see in late race restarts. And as you get going, the bottom line is the predominant line. That's the line you're most likely to qualify on. That's the line you want on the restarts a lot of times. It's just where you want to be, right on the bottom. But eventually, as we have two guys get very loose, you don't want to be as low as that guy right there. You'll find yourself moving around as the run goes on. And that's important at this place because you'll start to try to get away from the rubber. You see how blackened the racetrack gets as the rubber lays down? Well, then it just gets slicker and slicker. And it's harder to get the throttle down, harder to carry speed to the corner. So you'll start to move around like I'll do here. You'll start to try to get away from that rubber, escape it, go to where the racetrack's a little lighter. And in doing so, allow yourself to get back the throttle and have a longer run down the straightaway. And what we saw last year between Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch was that Chase Elliott was leading late in the race and he started running the traffic and he had to move his lane around. And that's a tough thing to do here because you get in a rhythm. Meanwhile, Kyle Busch had moved up earlier and so he didn't move up quick enough. And that's tough because when you move up like I just did here, you've got to find how early you can get on the throttle, how you can just get yourself a little bit momentum on the exit, start to find out how you can diamond the corner more as I get a big run down the straightaway there. And that's why you've got to search early in the races. You can't wait till the end to find yourself trying to move your lane around or you won't know how fast you can really go up there, what you need in the race car. And I believe that's kind of where Chase Elliott let it get away from him last time. They're making serious headway here up on the top a little bit. Ooh, get a little tight. And that'll happen right there. You get tight on the exit. Things will go wrong in the middle of these corners because as you go later in the run as well, your tires will start to feel like basketballs. When the air pressures come up for whatever reason, you just start to lose grip and the race car starts to bounce around over those concrete slabs. It's a very brutal racetrack, but it's a fun racetrack because it allows you to do the things that I was talking about, which is move your lane around. If you want to win this race, Carolyn, come this weekend, you're going to have to find yourself moving that lane around and finding speed all over this racetrack to be competitive. All right, great preview, Parker. Thank you. Uh, in case you missed it last weekend, Haley Deegan became the first woman to win in the NASCAR K&N Pro Series when she took the checkered flag at Meridian Speedway in Ohio. You can watch her win tomorrow afternoon at 1 Eastern right here on NBCSN. We'll have that race for you. We also dropped the bonus podcast this week with Haley on Monday Morning Donuts. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts as well. That is what we call a shameless plug in the biz. Back with Pete Pistoni to Tucked Over next.
Kyle Busch conquered the Monster Mile last fall, but can he do it again this weekend? That is the question, and our coverage of the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoffs at Dover begins Sunday at 2 Eastern right here on NBCSN. So you are in the right place. And we now welcome in Pete Pistoni, the co-host of the Morning Drive on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. That is Channel 90. It is worth a listen if you haven't found it already. So, Pete, round of 16, first round of the playoffs, wild card race, of course, was the cutoff race. The Roval was crazy. Now you have the wild card race in Talladega that is right in the middle of the round of 12. So how do you think that affects the sense of urgency or the strategy for these playoff drivers who are still desperate to make it to the next round? You know, Carolyn, I think this is interesting because after what you just said, the first round where we had all those unknowns at Vegas and then Richmond for the first time at the playoffs and then everything that broke was last week at the Roval, it's almost like a sense of normalcy now going to tracks at Dover and Talladega and Kansas in the second round. But, you know, you point out when Talladega is on the schedule, there's nothing close to being anything normal about what goes on there. I'm going to, I'm going to find it interesting this week if, if Talladega will play the role in this round with the Roval played in the first round, meaning that when you went to Richmond, everybody was talking about the Roval, and I think that impacted the Richmond race. This weekend, if everybody's looking down the road at Talladega, how's that going to impact what we get at Dover this week? Are drivers really going to maybe push it a little bit more, or are they going to play it so safe because they don't want to be behind the eight ball anymore if they go to Talladega and they have trouble? Then they're really in trouble when we go to Kansas to wrap up the round. Pete, I'm curious, you know, you, you obviously get to talk to a lot of your listeners about these schedule changes and such. You mentioned where these wild card races are. What is the reaction from the listeners out there in terms of the schedule shakeup we've had this year and having wild card races in the playoffs as we go fight for a championship? Is it positive, negative? What have you heard? It's really positive, Parker. And I think the energy level of the first round, I hope, will carry over. I think fans have really just wanted something different. They wanted something that they hadn't seen before. They wanted to have a schedule where it wasn't the same old, same old. And I think we got that certainly in the first round. So now how do you take that and move it on to, to round number two here? And again, when Talladega's in there, I mean, you know, that Monday morning, our phones every time after Talladega, you know, that pegs the meter. And now with the, uh, the circumstances around it, with the playoffs, and then I'll, I'll be honest with the two guys, Kansas, since it's been in the fall when it was the uh, middle race and now that it's elimination race, that hasn't been a walk in the park either. So I think fans like this kind of thing. They don't want to have the drivers comfortable. I know that the drivers don't like to hear that, but I think when the drivers are uncomfortable, the fans are much more happy. <laughs> well <laughs> let's, said. Let's focus specifically in um, on Dover, though, for a second, Pete, because that's what we've got coming up this weekend. I'm curious. We talked a lot about Jimmy Johnson at the beginning of the show. His record at Dover stands on its own. Is there another eliminated driver that you think has the best shot at Dover outside of Jimmy Johnson? Are you thinking Jimmy Johnson could spoil a party here? What are you looking at outside of the playoff drivers? Well, I think Jimmy certainly could spoil the party. We know he's an 11-time winner at Dover, and I think you're seeing little moves there of progression, and that's a good thing if you're a Jimmy Johnson heavy motorsports fan. But I'm going to be really interested to watch Denny Hamlin because whether he likes it or not, Denny Hamlin has this stigma attached that when there's pressure, that team just doesn't seem to perform well. This guy has won 31 times on the Cup Series side in his career. We know this, the, the caliber of driver he is, but when the playoffs come around, something always goes haywire. Well, he's out of the championship picture right now. Does that relieve some of that pressure? Can Denny Hamlin go on a run here and make a little bit of a statement and be that spoiler beginning this week at Dover and on? I think, to me, that's going to be a really interesting story to watch develop here for the last seven races of the season. 
Are you buying Denny Hamlin as a spoiler? Uh, I, I'm not sure about it at, at Dover. I would say that for him. <laughs> I, I'm not. I know many years ago he used to say at Dover was not one of his favorite racetracks, and he sort of turned that around. But I just I think that race team has, as you said, they've obviously struggled with having pressure on. Maybe this is a change of situation for them that helps them kind of relieve that pressure a little bit. But I, I've not felt very confident about the race team lately. What do you think, uh, Pete? Overall focusing in on the playoffs. I think Dan Beaver of Roto World described this track as like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. You never know what you're going to get at this track. Who do you see having a lot of success this weekend? I'm having a hard time getting away from the big three because the big three of Truex Jr. and Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch have combined to win six times at Dover. And like I said, if you want to use the term normalcy, this is a little bit back to what most drivers now feel somewhat more comfortable. They kind of know Dover. They know the characteristics. You know, they know how it's going to react. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see those guys go back there and flex their muscles again this week. And, and I still believe that those guys and, and anybody, the last uh, the 12 drivers that are, are in the race on Sunday, guys, I don't think they want to go to Talladega having, having to make something happen. I think they want to get that done Sunday at the Monster Mile. All right, Pete, thanks for being with us. As always, we look forward to talking to you next week. Same here, guys. Thank you. So Pete has given us a lot to consider for our fantasy mm, lineups. Yes. I was thinking a couple things. Now I'm not sure what I'm thinking. Find out who we're going to take this weekend. We'll think about it in the commercial break. I guess yours is already set, right? Yeah, it will be. I have a lot to think about. <laughs> we'll be right back. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. It won't be long now. A brand new Dale Jr. download minutes away here right after we wrap up on NASCAR America. So stay tuned if you want that this week. It's a great episode. Before we get to the pod, let's look at the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. So Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch, co-favorites to win Sunday's race at Dover. Both drivers listed at 3-1. to one. Biggest long shot among the playoff drivers, Alex Bowman. Wow. 80-1. to one. Clint Boyer, 18-1? to one? Kurt yeah. Busch? Ryan Blaney, 25 to 1. I, I like those ones. You do like yeah. those odds? If you're out in Vegas, you should pay attention to those. All right, so with that in mind, let's get your fantasy picks. Who are Ooh, you taking yes. heading into the weekend? So I kind of went on a limb with these fantasy picks a little bit and actually found myself going away from the big three, all right? It's crazy. So, so yeah, I, I even stuck to what we had in the first segment, all the drivers I talked about knowing what they need to do. Well, Kyle Larson was one of them. Chase Elliott, I believe he will be great this weekend. I have Jimmy Johnson there as my non-playoff driver. Jay McMurray showing how much speed they, or how much speed they've shown in the playoffs has been very impressive from that one car. And then in the garage, I put Kevin Harvick so I can kind of, if Move my, him in yeah, really you know what I mean? If one of those two that I kind of went out on the limb doesn't work out. But then down below that, you see pole winner Ryan Blaney. And then I said stage one, Kyle Larson. Stage two, Brad Keselowski. Race winner, Chase Elliott. Oh I hedged with Ford. I just kind of went crazy. I don't I know. Always- I it's almost like when Kyle Petty says he shakes them up in a bag and picks them <laughs> after that. I sort of did that with my stage winners and, and race winner. But you know what? I, I, what I've been doing normally hasn't worked, so I decided Switch this was the up. weekend I was switching I up. always hedge on the manufacturer. All right, if you pull up my picks, you'll see that I did basically the opposite. I went extreme okay. chalk. Extreme chalk. The bottom, <laughs> Wait a second. The is just Kevin Harvick straight across because I just think that this race this weekend is his to lose. And then for my two non-playoff drivers, I put two former playoff drivers in there. I did put the 11 in there. A, because Pete Pistone just convinced me. He did. Although you kind of convinced me as well. <laughs> and also because the Beave on Roto World, Dan Beaver, says that you 
might want to think about putting the 11 in there. And he says also Daniel Suarez as well could potentially be a good non-playoff driver. I don't think I agree with any of your fancy picks, maybe other than <laughs> Jimmy and in your garage having Clint Kevin Boyer. Kevin Harvick? Yeah. No, yeah, it's smart. You know, he it's, can be there. But. Look, Clint Boyer has had success, especially with all the tracks in this round of 12, but I think he's a solid garage pick Definitely. heading into the weekend. Definitely. One thing the Beeb says could be a red flag, Joey Logano. Yeah. He doesn't like Joey Logano as a pick. Your fancy team lacked imagination. <laughs> My fantasy team was made in haste in a commercial break. <laughs> well, let's say who comes out on top, because I think Kevin Harvick's had it locked down. That's it for us. Hockey coverage an hour from now. Dan Jr. download right now. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.